Hi, I'm Daniela Stockflet Menis. Welcome to my podcast. Because everyone has a story, the place to give ordinary people's stories the chance to be shared and preserved. Or stories become the language of connections. Let's enjoy it, connect and relate. Because everyone has a story. In this episode, we have Jennifer Alamani, a guest all the way from New York. She was in corporate human resources, but is now an author, a spiritualist, and has been a yogi for 12 years. Born in Brooklyn, New York, she has a spicy Latin mix of Puerto Rican, Mexican, and Cuban. She shares her struggles, her life choices, how life started to guide her on a new path after a 22-year career in human resources. After losing two of the love of her life, her mother and then her fiancé, she started to write. Surrounded by nature, sitting by the pool, she wrote her first book, Mark My Love. Let's enjoy her story. Thank you very much, Jennifer, for being here and to wanted to share uh, your story with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited uh, to be here with all of you. Yes. And so, Jennifer, you have a wonderful story. You are an author. You were an HR. You are a yogi, spiritualist, an author, and a mentor. I want to know how your story starts. So my story starts, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, born uh, in 1974. I'm from a Latin background. My mother was half Puerto Rican, uh, half Mexican, and she was born uh, in New York City. My father was from Cuba. So they, they met. I came along. When it, it was interesting growing up in Brooklyn. There's a lot of diverse people in the neighborhood. I got to know uh, different cultures. I've met a lot of different people from a Latin background. And I think coming from New York, it kind of flows differently than, than when I've met other people from different places in Latin America, where they grew up in, in a different than the United States. I'm, I'm the youngest of four daughters. Um, my mom was a single mom. Me being growing into being, like I guess, helpful, caring about my camp family, caring about others, because she was a single mom and I was the youngest, I was always, I think, trying to help the family and help her. Say, I always, that, that built the strength in me, I want to say, um, along the way. But usually it's the oldest daughter who takes care of the other kids. Yeah, I want to say that's that's usually the norm. But for whatever reason, I don't know. My sisters and I, were, were 10 years apart. They were from my mom's first marriage. So I think that kind of comes into play a little bit because of, there's a little bit of an age difference. I do say because I am a spiritualist, I believe I'm a very old soul. I think I was kind of always older to begin with, um, even when I was a kid. So many people told me that. I think even I have a friend who knew me in college who said that when she met me, at 20 years old, I already seem like I was 40 years old in a sense, like my way about me. <laughs> so I think that, that comes into play for some strange reason that I took on the role of kind of trying to care for the family. And That's interesting. So you were helping your sisters, even though they were older than you. Yeah. I, I even learned to cook at a young age. I want to say at 12 years old, I remember grew up that way in the city from a single mom. So you all kind of, kind of pitch in to get the things done. I think I naturally took that space in the family at a pretty young age. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed caring for others, which I think then it shows what I went to school for and kind of going into that part of my life, you know, to college for early childhood education. So I think that that caring, nurturing 
person has always been in me. Yes. And you also said that you were the first one who graduated from college in your family. Yeah. My sisters, they went on their different journeys uh, for different reasons. I was able to attend college. I had a scholarship. There was a scholarship program that I was in. I was blessed to have. And so I, I went away. I was the first one to graduate. It was a big deal with my mom. She was so proud of me because we know where the struggles were financially our entire life. So for me to get the opportunity to go to college and to, to graduate and to try to bring something different forward for the family, it meant a lot. Wonderful. You studied early child education and then? Yeah, I wanted to be a, a kindergarten teacher at the time. So I studied our early childhood education and I loved it. It was a natural thing for me. It wasn't something that I really had to like learn. It kind of just came to me naturally. I had first went to a two-year university. The program that I was in was only two years. So I graduated from that. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I was going to be a kindergarten teacher if I was going to go on for a four-year degree. So then I had an advisor in school who told me about actually being a nanny. It wasn't something that I thought about doing. I talked to some folks about it, seemed interesting, and it was, you know, it was a live-in nanny, so you're living with the family. But it kind of gave me the opportunity, I thought, to not only care for the children, but get to know the family as a whole since I'd be living there. Something I decided to do, I interviewed for it, and right out of school, I, I, went, uh, I went straight there. And how long were you there as a live-in nanny? I was there for about a year and a half. And there were two young children. Uh, the mother was also pregnant with another child. And after the year and a half, you reflected on what path you wanted to take? I wanted to be home, I wanted to say, because I was obviously living in their house. I think I wanted to start something for myself, like whether I got an apartment, whatever it was, I, I, I felt like I needed to move on to the next step of my journey. You know, I went back home to Brooklyn. I ended up getting a, a job in human resources. That kind of came out of nowhere. My mother had seen an advertisement in, in the paper. There was a university doing a big hiring pool. So I went and I'll be honest, it, it wasn't an interest of mine. I really went to please my mother. And I'm just being honest with that. <laughs> she wanted me to go. And I said, okay, I'll go. And then they interviewed me and right away said, okay, we want to take you to work for us and we want you to be in human resources. We think you have a way with people. I started doing that. I think I was probably 22 years old, 23 years old. And then that became a 22-year uh, career for me, different levels of HR, there'd be human resources, or then I went into talent acquisition and management into that space. But all of it had to do with working with people. Yeah, how interesting. But And it was always the same company or different companies? It was the 22 years, it was two different companies. Oh, wow. So I, I stayed pretty long at both places, but each time I took a step, I first started out uh, working in a university. And then from there, I decided to concentrate on talent acquisition. Then I went into the corporate space. And then I stayed there until late last year. I had wrote the book. I decided I was going to do something different. I felt like my calling was something else. So I knew it was time to probably close the chapter of uh, being the HR professional uh, that I was. You're giving a message that we one must listen to our moms because she was wise and at least guiding you to this path. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so you see, you just said that I got like a chill goosebumps on my arms. I know it's true. She was guiding me that way. I, I, she wasn't sure what path it would bring me. I think at the time she wanted me to maybe decide, you know, make a, a final solid decision on, okay, what are you going to do in a sense? It's time to move into something else. Yes, she was right. I ended up finishing my degree also at, at the first job that I had. I went to school at night to finish, finish the bachelor's degree, which I got in psychology. And working there, that paid for my education at night also. So my mom, she was right in so many different ways out doubt. <laughs> you also said that you are a yogi and a spiritualist. Mm -hmm. When did that happen? My mom passed away uh, suddenly in 2008. It was very difficult for me uh, losing her. She was uh, my best friend, my everything, I want to say. So it kind of changed my life pretty drastically when that happened. 
probably a year later in 2009, I couldn't quiet my mind at all. It was very hard. I was still grieving. I wasn't talking about my feelings much to to anybody really. It was very difficult. And I just happened to come across a, a yoga class. I had never done yoga. And for some reason, I was drawn into the class. And I said, well, let me just try this. And that's what's able to quiet my mind. And I want to say start some of the healing process. And then it just became a part of my life. They say I live yoga. I don't just do yoga. They for me, it's bringing everything together, nature, all of this, why we're here, all of it, living yoga for me. And that's when that started. The spirituality came along with that space, right? I was trying to quiet my mind. I was grieving my mother. All of that was I was trying to heal myself. I became more connected spiritually. I always was since I was a child. I felt even more and more of a presence when my mom passed away to the other side. That kind of started with the yoga together and growing into that space just kind of grew more and more. And especially it grew the most, the spirituality in the past two years. But it seems that everything fell into place for you quite quickly. Because you went to school, then you say, oh, I don't know what to do. Then somebody offers you to do, well, what about nanny? And then you get hired and then your mom tells you to go to a job fair. And then suddenly you get this amazing job that you last in the same industry for 22 years. Then now you meet yoga and, and suddenly you can quiet your mind. I'm I think that's part of the yoga and the spirituality. My meditation, you know, that became a big part of my world. My boyfriend, he passed away two years ago, which that started me with the writing. When he passed, it was a shock, but it was also the shock of pushing everything into place. Again, like learning my purpose and really wondering, like, why am I here? And also finding my voice. I want to say over the years, even though I'm, I'm able to talk to people and I talk about things and I'm open with folks. I feel there were times where I was quieting my voice for different reasons, whether it be, you know, how I was raised, whether it be some of it was from of my culture, I feel like, or just not wanting to shake the boat. I think I was always kind of like that, like, don't rock the boat. Everything falling into place, I think that has to do with believing manifestation. And I want to say the past probably four years, I was in that space making what I want to see kind of happen in my life, even though it seems like everything is fitting exactly like it's supposed to. It's almost like I've weathered the little storms in between, as we all have to. But I, I think I raised up higher after each of the storms that came through. So when my boyfriend passed away two years ago, like that was, you know, another storm that hit me and I was on the floor again. I didn't ask why. I just said, okay, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to grow from this. I'm going to move forward. And other things seem to be just be falling in place, like who I need to meet, who I need to talk to, folks like you that I'm, I'm meeting along the way. It's, it's all kind of happening the way it's supposed to organically. What makes you stronger? Perhaps the way you were raised, being with a single mom. You also mentioned that you were encouraged, you know, to speak about your feelings. What makes you that strong? Yeah, I think, you know, definitely being raised by the single mom, right? I saw how she struggled. She didn't speak to, she didn't burden us kids with her, whether it be financial problems or anything like that. I just like, I knew I could feel it. So there were a lot of struggles there. So I think that strengthened me along the way that I had to have a, a thicker coat around me because especially being in New York of Latin descent, everyone's not always open to give us opportunities. My mother being raised and born in New York as a Puerto Rican in New York, she showed us it was hard for her to make it here and all her siblings. So I think that that kind of strengthened me also that it was important for me to make it in whichever way as a Latina, especially from New York, because I didn't always see that role model that looked like me. And that's why it's important to me to mentor others too that are in my space because I know that we don't always see each other out there and that's not easy. Very interesting. And it's true. 
When you were living as a nanny, you had a different role model's family. How did it impact you? Yeah, I think I could. I saw how people could live so differently. I think I never had seen that before as much. There wasn't people around me who had a big house, had the means to give more to their family because they had that. I was grateful for what I had, but it also showed me like, oh, I, I, I can strive to do something more also, right? I can move forward for, for myself, for my family, for the Latin community, however you want to put it. I can do my little bit to push us forward a little bit. So I think seeing a different family culturally and living with them enriched me in a way to dream bigger and see bigger because I didn't see all of that before. Well, you have that opportunity, right? It's always interesting to see other people's, how they live because it can give you the perspective. What about you mentoring young adults? When did that fell into place? Yeah, that, that also came along with when I started my HR career. For whatever reason, I was given the opportunity to own certain programs within the university and then within the company that I previously worked for. It was like, say, a summer youth program. That's what I started with, where they had students that would come work at the college for the summer. So for whatever reason, my boss had said to me, oh, I want you to own this program watch over these kids and for the summer and all of that. So I kind of started then naturally. It was part of, you know, it was part of my job, but I want to say I enjoyed it. It kind of brought a little bit of the teacher that I wanted to be originally into my workspace. And then when I went on to the company that I worked for last, they started a partnership with a high school. So then I took ownership of it. And then I was just mentoring them as part of what I was supposed to be doing. But again, I enjoyed it. So I started then doing it on the side where, you know, I had certain students that even if they graduated, they kept in contact with me and they still keep in contact with me and I still mentor them. But that all kind of came into my space naturally as well, was through both of my the jobs that I had my, in the HR space. Again, it was almost like it was meant to be. So I'd have a little bit of, I guess I want to say the world that I wanted to have, right? Being a teacher that kind of brought it, brought into my space a little bit. And have you kept in touch with any of these people? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's one young lady in particular. Gosh, I met her when she was 14. I think she's 22 years old now, she's telling me. <laughs> she contacts me all the time. When she found out I, I wrote a book, she was so excited. She read the book. I haven't seen her in a few years physically, but we uh, we talk all the time. Yeah, so you were like a big sister. <laughs> Jennifer, you were 22 years working as an HR, and then you decided to quit. Tell me how the process was. For the past four or five years, I was wondering what was my purpose. I knew in my gut, anytime I prayed about it or meditated on it, I knew being an HR professional, I knew I, that wasn't why I was put on this earth. I, I could feel it. When my boyfriend passed and I, I wrote the book, I wasn't sure I was going to publish a book. And then I decided I felt it. I said, I think I'm supposed to just give some of these messages out to others for whatever reason and just tell a little bit of my story. So I decided to look into self-publishing it. Changes were happening in the job that I had. I knew I was meant to move along. I started training someone who was on my team. I didn't tell them I was going to be leaving. I just wanted to make sure that my team was taken care of. And then I was just saved money to go on the adventure of ending ending the career and doing that. And then it just turns out in December of 2020, I parted ways with the company, but they parted ways with me. Like kind of all worked out. My intention was to leave. I was going to leave this year. I was going to leave right before the book came out. But then the universe wanted me out of there sooner for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Um, but it felt right. I think that a lot of people, when that happened, a lot of people asked me like, oh my gosh, was that a shock for you? But I said, or I knew it was time to set sail on it. So when that happened, it was like, okay, I got it. I'm listening to the messages that the universe is giving me, I want to say. Great. So very strategic. <laughs> it worked out well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's interesting because like I said, my mother's on the other side and so is my boyfriend. And I know that they're around me. And I know that 
when everything is kind of flowing to me, I know that they have something to do with it. I really strongly believe that. Yes, good. Can you tell us a day on Jennifer Alemani? What do you do in one day or one week? My my day is usually I get up. The first thing I do is I do a little bit of yoga and I meditate. I always do that first thing in the morning. It kind of centers me for the day. Um, I go for a long walk with my dog. I go for probably about a three mile walk every morning after that. And then I just go into just checking checking email. I have a couple of podcasts scheduled, and then I have a couple of clients that I do mentor. Do a little bit of cooking throughout the day too, because I like to cook my meals. I make sure I'm I'm eating healthy in between there. I want to say that's a typical day for me. In a week's time, I try to expand my mind also in some way. So that's always important to me to have a, a book read in a week. That's something that's going to elevate me a little bit more. I read a lot of different religious books also because I think it's important to know all these different religions. I am very impressed that you're reading about all kind of religions. I think that's super interesting and important because it opens your mind. How you said it that started in high school. I took some course. I think it was called like religion as English literature or something. I forget what it was. That's when that started for me, where I started just thinking about other people, how they grow up, and different religions. Right, that's part of it. That if we really reached out and learned, we would realize like so many amazing things about each other. So I think it's important. The book calls Mark my love. You were in the midst of grieving, and then something changed on you, and said, "Okay, I have to stop thinking of of my grieving and share these、uh, thoughts." I was sitting out by the pool a few months after my boyfriend had passed. I was just started writing. I was just writing my feelings down, what I was going through. I was crying while I was doing it, and the next thing you know, I was writing very fast. And then every day, I was writing very quickly, and that's when I realized. Oh, I think this is more than just me and healing for myself. I think I'm supposed to give these messages to others in whatever which way to show, like to keep going. I feel like I I was meant to tell people you got to keep going, you got to get up and keep going and and turn it around. I turned all that grief into fire, into fuel to move me forward and to say I'm going to do something different and I'm going to keep going. I'm not scared anymore, and that's a big one. I think that everybody has these fears in life when you're going to do something different. Me doing this shows people like, look, you can do something different. You, you know, you never know what can happen. You didn't react the same way when your mom passed away. Do you think that you have evolved from your mom, from your boyfriend to to now? Yeah, I think I've I've evolved because I know that death isn't an ending. We're all taught in life that it's an ending and all of that, and now I realize like it's not. And I think with my mom, I concentrated too much on the loss and that she wasn't there. Whereas when my boyfriend passed, it was a, a different feeling where I concentrated more on, oh wow, I had the love of this man in my life, and then it made me look at my mom and my love there too, and then realize like, oh wow. So then it made me look at what I had and all of that love. So that's why I was saying that about the love because I, I'm looking at loss differently than I did before. If someone passes close to me next time around, I want to say I'm probably just going to welcome it the way I did this last go around because I realized. Feeling them around me in spirit, like healed me even more. Like it helped me got get through the pain. Yes, actually, it's beautiful, and it touched me because I understand how it is to lose a parent that is very close to you. Yeah, I mean, my mother and I used to talk every single day, talk every day, like multiple times a day. So that's hard. I always grew up like that, and you know, obviously, she was working and I was in school at times. But when we were able to talk, even just for a brief minute, a couple of times a day. So that's hard when that leaves your life. It was it was so much. It was harder because I was concentrating that she wasn't there. Whereas now I concentrate more that they're around me in a in a different way. So now when I cook some of her recipes, I'll say out loud like, "Oh, mom, that came out really good." 
And I'll say things like that. Whereas I, before it was like, I'm not going to cook these recipes because I miss her so much and I can't take it. It just shifted everything. What is next for you now? Uh, I mean, I'm still writing. I'm writing, uh, I'm writing two additional books right now. So I think that's my focus. But right now I'm concentrating on this book and just spreading some love, putting it out there. I want to say that's, that's my concentration for the next few months. I am writing two, two additional books. When I'm out in nature, like things, it just comes to me. And that's the way it's been with these two other books that I'm writing, kind of flowing intuitively. One is a book on spirituality, and the other one is a little bit of a fiction story based on some real-life events. So it's been fun to write that because it's a little different. But you always knew you were a writer? Uh, you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, a couple of teachers told my mom that they thought I could be a gifted writer because I wrote so well. But again, writing, again, coming from a family, you know, economically, my mom wasn't going to tell me, hey, go be a writer. You know, she wanted something more solid. So it was never something that I thought of, that I could, thought I could do. Let me make that, you know, um, but I knew that I could write. I remember in high school and in college, papers that I wrote, professors, teachers would call me up or pull me aside and say like, wow. So I, I think I have a little bit of a gift. Yeah, you, you have many gifts, obviously. That's, that's awesome. Now you are definitely saying I am an author. Definitely. I want to say that. And we'll see what else comes. I do speaking events, continue on the podcast. Who knows what could be? But this is my, I'm an author right now. And that's, that's what I'm doing for now. Well, so Jennifer, I am grateful that you share your story. And I love that you touch in so many aspects of your life. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so thank you again. So hopefully we are going to see more books of you. Thank you. I hope so. I'm excited. We'll see what happens. All the best. Thank you. I am Daniela Stockfledmenis. You are listening to Because Everyone Has a Story. Follow this story and many others on Instagram at bhas.podcast. Join me next time for another story conversation. Thank you for listening. Hasta pronto.